Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. to the Marathon Coast Podcast World Cup Daily, episode number eight, I think I think, we're, I think it's day eight of the World Cup already. I'm your host Ross and with me tonight is James. Good evening. Should be the James Daily at this rate. <laughs> yeah, it should be. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's nice to be able to take part and, uh, and fill in and uh, it's a team effort at the end of the day as well. Yeah, definitely. So um, it's been a fun day, it's highlighted by the, the final group game, but um, it all kicked off earlier today with Denmark taking on Australia. It finished one all. I slept through this game because I work nights and that one o'clock kickoff is a bit too early for me to get up and watch. James, what happened? Uh, well, it was a game where Denmark took the lead very early and yeah. uh, fantastic work by Jorgensen to set up um, Christian Eriksson who scored after only seven minutes, I believe. I've seen this guy. It's a good finish. Yeah, and but I thought the set, uh, set up by Jorgensen who, who plays for final here in the Netherlands, he did yeah. really, really well. And then they just kind of, uh, they kept pushing and kept probing and then uh, VAR made sure that uh, Australia got a penalty out of it. Uh, a corner coming in where the header was headed on to the uh, to the hand of uh, Yusuf Bolson. But I don't think it was deliberate. Right. And uh, I think Australia were quite lucky in that respect. But uh, Yadinek put that away. And then towards the, the end of the game, you had uh, Australia having more chances, forcing a few saves from... Um, Kasper Smeichel, the Dutch manager of Australia, but from my right, was uh, lamenting the fact that his team didn't win. And right. he thought he thought that they deserved at least a 2-1 win. But he uh, was very pleased with the way they played in particular. In particular, and, okay. he hoped, and he hopes that they will get a result in the final round and that uh, the scenario is correct for them to go through to the last 16. He still believes that they have a chance. We've got Peru in their final game. Um, Peru looked okay today against France. We'll get into that one, but um, obviously there's no there's no bite up front for them, I suppose, for Peru. So there is still a chance. Looking at the stats for this, it was fairly even. I mean, slightly yeah. more possession for Australia. They had more shots. Um, so yeah, Van Mar- it could be onto something there. They're, they're still in this. Um, Christian Eriksen is the main man for Denmark, far and away the, the main man. You got in on the ground floor with Eriksen, didn't you? Yeah, well, he's uh, he's a tremendous player. I've been fortunate enough to see him play live for Ajax on a regular basis when he was here. Yeah. I, I also recently interviewed a player who plays for Dutch side Nakabreda, who who was allowed when uh, they was in the youth setup to train. Uh, to go along with Christian Eriksen, right. they were the only two that were selected to go and train on a regular basis with the first team right. at the at the ages of 17 years old, and he was telling me that back even then, you know, he's so calm in possession, and that when chances come in games, he just remains so calm and always wants to give the forward passes, always looking for openings, yeah. and um, and when he was when he was on form for Ajax and, and a massive part of their success in, in titles and and winning. Uh, cups and that kind of thing there was rumours that in the first instance he would go to Bayer Leverkusen right. and he, he turned down Bayer Leverkusen to go to Tottenham 
and now they've got a big uh, a big transfer clause inserted in. But he's a he's a tremendous player and also so grounded as well. He's so uh, approachable within the media. Always always made time to uh, to speak to the Dutch media. They even managed to, they even managed to catch him after the match today. Oh. And I watched the sh- I watched the short interview with him that he gave to Dutch media where he said that it was a very difficult game, and that he still believes they need to get something out of the final group game to be assured of their place in the last sixteen. Yeah, so they've got four points from two games. They are almost there. Um, they play France, who are basically there anyway in their final group game. So, can you see it being a case of France not really pushing too hard to go for the win, and Denmark can snatch? Snatch something? Yeah, I think that may well happen. I think it might well be a, a draw. I don't think it helps in the fact that Didier Deschamps doesn't know what his best team is. No, completely different line up to that. No, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't think he knows what it is. And uh, as we spoke in the, in the preview pods, you know, when when people were saying is Deschamps highly rated, yeah. I think that I think that depends on who you speak to. And um, I think you'll see. I think you'll see Griezmann in the last 16 coming alive. But uh, I saw a post on Twitter from Griezmann earlier on this evening that said that the the first objective of the squad was done for them to get through to the last 16. Mm. And and you hope they can grow from that. But it's the same with, uh, for example, he, he plays uh, Benjamin Pavard over Jibril uh, Sidibe, and and that's a strange wrong for me because uh, Jibril uh, Sidibe the Monaco right back very highly yes yeah. Um, so yeah Australia they just they just need to get the job done against Peru to, to stand any chance of getting out of this I think they can do it like I said Peru looked a bit too, toothless up front against um, France today they're, they're, they, that should be a really fun game to watch I think yeah it should be um, I think Van Marek is also just being polite and paying lip service to the fact that he claims that they'll fight to the death mm. uh, but I think from knowing what he's done with the Dutch national team and, and his choices he made at club level when he went to Hamburg yeah. I, th- I think he fell on his feet with Australia because he, he obviously he, he was in charge of Saudi Arabia in the World Cup uh, qualifying uh, yeah. round and, and, and just about got them over the line mm. and then uh, things went awry in terms of uh, in terms of control in terms of uh, uh, in terms of him wanting perhaps a little bit more control or, or perhaps contract, contractual obligations and, and things like that, yeah. and I think I think he's fallen on his feet uh, to be uh, to be manager of Australia so quickly because um, when he was manager of the Dutch national team and they reached the World Cup final, yeah. after that World Cup final, he thought that everybody would come in for him. He thought the likes of Liverpool or Premier League giants would right. uh, would come in for him, and, and nobody came for him. <laughs> He was he was a bit perplexed by that by his own by his own admission. But in the past as well, he's also turned down Sporting Lisbon. He's also turned down um, he's also turned down Southampton in the past. Okay. And um, his choice his choices have been a bit strange to be honest. But for example, he had the uh, he he had um, in, during his career he played for Dutch side Go Ahead Eagles. Yeah, and it was like a, a real stalwart for the club. You know, someone who was who was loved by the club and gave the club everything he had. And when they were in uh, relegation trouble, he had the opportunity to return to to, to save them from relegation. But he uh, he didn't want to take he didn't want to take up, up the challenge, and no. they subsequently got relegated. So I don't I don't think he's been helped by the choices he's made in a man- managerial sense. But um, I think in this particular instance, he has fell on his feet to be manager of uh, Australia so quickly after being relieved of his duties by Saudi Arabia. Yeah, what what kind of is um his reputation at home then? Is it um 
is it does it still rest on that World Cup final getting to the final with a team that was a bit disjointed? They 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 they, they do respect him for that, yeah. and um, and there's rumours going around that current PSV manager Philip Koku will go to Fenerbahce, okay. and then the 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 word on the grapevine is that Mark Van Bommel, who's actually Van Marwijk's assistant, yeah. would would take over at uh, PSV, but there's also rumours that uh, Van Marwijk might also be in the running so be interesting to see but it's like for example when he when he chose to go to hamburg in germany you know yeah. everyone thought although it's a huge club hamburg is a massive club mm. it was just the timing of it and he he got very very bad results and uh, the club was hobbling along and he didn't really get on too much but the the thing with the world cup final is that the the sad fact is obviously being here based in the netherlands for a long long time they did so well to reach that final and then right at the death they change and they change yeah. in terms of approach to think the only way to stop Spain is to kick them. Yes. And I'm absolutely certain, Ross, if they'd have just played their own game for that final, they yeah. would have been world champions for the first time. But obviously that's nearly eight years ago now and mm. time goes by very quickly indeed. Not to get too distracted by Holland, but are, are they going down the kind of Germany route of having that kind of missing the World Cup completely or having an embarrassing World Cup and then kind of rebuilding with the youth level or are they just sticking with the old old guys? No, they are rebuilding at youth level. You can see that with the under-17s, obviously they, um, they, they won the... Uh, the uh, Euro tournament that just yeah. passed, and and there's good, uh, there's many many good youth teams uh, here in the Netherlands. You've got also got the reserve teams of PSB and Utrecht and Ajax playing in the uh, playing in the first division, upon which yeah. Ajax reserves actually won last season. So that um, that just goes to show. But it's having had having been fortunate, Ross, to speak to professional players and managers here on a regular basis. Yeah. You realise when you speak to fellow professional managers about the national team that, that what they're what they're asking is that at the board level at the Dutch FA, at the kind of Bay, is that they they put people in the right place to get the best out mm -hmm. of the young players. Yeah. And um, Koeman is in charge now. It's an appointment. It's an appointment which is four years too late, but better late than never. <laughs> but um, it's um, it's taking its time because it was such a mess behind the scenes when they let Danny Blind uh, have the reins for far too long, having having such inexperience. But uh, they're slowly on their way back. But it's 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 a long it's a long game and it's going to be a long road ahead. Oh, good. It does feel weird to have a World Cup without Holland and without Italy as well. The stalwarts of the World Cup scene, but let's move on. Let's move on to France versus Peru, the mid-afternoon kickoff here in the UK. I watched most of this game whilst making dinner. Um, Kylian Mbappe opened the scoring for France, and that was that was the opener and the end of the scoring. It was one 0 to France. Um, Peru had their chances in this one, especially early on. I think midway through the first half, uh, Guerrero missed. It was a it was a tough chance but one you would expect him to put away you would you would and i think peru have been quite unlucky in this world cup i yeah. thought they were unlucky against denmark and i thought they was unlucky again today because they've got they've got some good players in carillo in cueva and jefferson farfan who also has a history here in the netherlands having played for psv you yeah. know they've got they've got some good players that can do some good things i, I just think you know they've just uh, luck hasn't necessarily been on their side but i think with france uh, it was great anticipation from Kylian Mbappe. Yes. Great, uh, fantastic anticipa anticipation from him. And um, France are now uh, through to the last 16 and it'll uh, be interesting to see how they kick on. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the, the change in kind of formation and style bringing Giroud into the starting lineup worked a treat. Giroud was man of the match today and he looked at his best. And that man that's just going to 
not not bulldoze your way through like Diego Costa would, but he his hold up play is I think possibly underrated in terms of world football. He is well, it's back to goal. He's one of the best. Well, he's an excellent player. Obviously, being an Arsenal fan and having watched him uh, play for Arsenal yeah. many years, I was there when he made when he scored his first goal for Arsenal in the League Cup against Coventry. Mm. And um, you know, to go on to score more than a hundred goals, and I thought it was really lamentable the way some Arsenal fans in some quarters were likening him to a lamppost. Mm. Uh, and I just I just thought obviously they don't under, really understand what's going on. But he's uh, also the value for money that upon which Arsenal brought him for. They brought him for twelve million euro, uh, wow. twelve million euros, and for to, to 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 get a buy for twelve million euros that goes on to score hundred goals for, for the club is uh, tremendous. And yeah. he's, he's still liked and respected by the Arsenal faithful. You know, even though he plays for a, a major London rival, there's there's no one that's gonna. It's going to criticise him quite heavily. And uh, I was delighted for him when he won the FA Cup back in May. And uh, best wishes to him in the future as well. Yeah, he's, he's uh, quite surprisingly to me, he's fourth in the all-time French goalscorers list. And his goals-to-games ratio is level with Thierry Henry. That's, mm. I mean, that, I think that goes under under the radar in terms of world football, of how, how good he actually is. But him mm. playing in that position makes Antoine Griezmann look even better behind him mm. in the position where he should be playing, that number... Number nine just just floating in behind. He he had some really good chances. That kind of knuckleball shot he had from a Giroud knockdown mm. would have been a fantastic goal if that had gone in. He he's starting to grow, I think, into this tournament as well. Yeah, no, I f- I fully agree. I think I think they're very um, very valid points you make, and um, be interesting to see how they get on. Yeah, definitely. It's a shame for Prud to go home because that Prud fan fan base they travel in numbers and they create such yeah. a great atmosphere. Even in the second half when they were down and not not creating too many chances, they just start going again and they get the the team going and they they were pushing France late on second half. They had some yeah. real good chances. Yeah, well, I think they're all uh, buying in and and wanting to take in the you know, taking the fact that it's the first World Cup for the country in thirty six years. Yeah. And different generations want to uh, want to be part of it and want to go together and enjoy together. And uh, their fans will be will be sorely missed. Yeah, definitely. Forty three thousand of them in and around um, uh, Russia for this tournament. Um, they were there in the majority in this game today. You could hardly hear France fans. Um, so yeah, Peru sadly are out. Um, France safely through. Not really much trouble. Um, Move on to Group D then. The final game we're flying for us tonight. Um, Argentina took on Croatia. Um, Scott in our group chat said before the game that they're starting this game with one fullback, uh, one one central defender and two fullbacks, and the rest of the players were incredibly attacking apart from Mascherano. And it it kind of, it, it it proved itself in the game. They could not defend at any point in this game. I feel sorry for. Um, Tagliafico, the left back. Tagliafico, yes, he's been one of the shining lights in the Netherlands this season. In his debut season at Ajax, it was yes. a very difficult season for the club, but he was one of the the shining lights. His uh, just ball distribu- distribution from the back and uh, his uh, his commitment was second to none. Yeah. And um, I just obviously it's a difference when you play against Isaac Olakmar and Willem Tvey and Feyenoord. Yeah. And then you're up against the, the best that a specific country has to offer. But um, I just, um, when I look at this Argentina side, the first thing that comes to my mind, Ross, is the credit that the manager Alejandro Sabella still doesn't get for helping them reach a final four years ago. Yeah. 
because that just goes to show what man management can do. Because if you look at the personnel of that squad four years ago that reached the final and had chances to win it, and the squad now, it's not a world of difference. There's not a barrage of names that, that are completely different from four no, years ago. Really. And it just it just goes to show, I mean, I, I've been banging the drum for Sabaya ever since, that it was because I get the impression that some people think that it was Messi that got, Argentina to the final four yeah. years ago. When I begged to differ, I think it was Sabella and Team Ethic that got them to the final four years ago. And obviously, that's not there this time around. Yeah, this is not a team. This is a, a collection of players that are not playing for one another. They're just, they're all trying to do it on their own. They don't want to pass, it seems. Their, their tactics just seem off. Trying to cross the ball in uh, time and time again to Aguero and Messi, probably two of the smallest strikers in the tournament. It made no sense. Up against Lovren, who. He had their lunch today. He was just knocking balls away time and time again. It, mm. it looked so easy for Croatia. They never looked like they were going to be any any sort of trouble in this game. It was it was end to end to start with, but as soon as Croatia took control, they were never they were never they never really got out of second gear either. That's the main thing. That's the kind of the the sad thing to watch for as a not as an Argentina fan, but as a fan of good football. It, mm. Seeing Messi just shoulders hunched forward. He's, he had no support in this game at all. And he was just trying no. to do everything himself. And he, it, it's different when you're at Barca. You've got these players, you've got Rakitic on your side. It's yeah. helpful. Well, I, I think as well, he retired from Argentina once before. Yeah. Um, that hasn't helped. And, and I looked earlier on at the successes from Alejandro Sabella in Gerardo Martino and Eduardo Bausa. And it's as if they can't seem to find a, a proper competent manager mm. within the Argentina setup that can go on to uh, that can go on to to mould a team. And uh, it's it's a massive shock and a massive shame. But f- full credit to Croatia. I thought they were so well organised. Yeah. Uh, I think I thought uh, the the goal as well by uh, Ante Rebich, who plays for Eintracht Frankfurt in Germany. Mm. I thought it's tremendous tremendous finish. Yeah, really, um, to, 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 the reaction speed, to, to, to get your body in that position and then hook it yeah. over Caballero after his horrific error. Fantastic. Mm. He's lucky maybe to be on the pitch after quite yes. a nasty tackle in the first half. Yeah, I agree, but a, a tremendous finish. And with Luka Modric as well. Oh, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to watch Luka Modric play, play against Ajax yeah. in a Champions League qualifier in 2007. And you could tell even then in that game that this guy is going to be absolutely world class. I remember, I remember him taking a penalty uh, to put uh, Dynamo Zagreb ahead, and uh, it was one of the best penalties I've ever seen. Oh, wow. And it was just, it's just so calm and just so cool. And you, you can tell that he, mu- he must feel really comfortable at club level as well. You know, is it the biggest? Is arguably the biggest club in world football, yeah. winning trophy after trophy after trophy, and. Uh, captain of his country where everybody's pulling together I think the organisation of uh, Croatia is very very good Mansukis as well is a is a um, is a good player who can score goals and uh, I think there's more to come from this uh, Croatia side I think the goalkeeper as well Subasic I remember watching him play uh, for Monaco against Arsenal in 2015 and he was very very vocal to his back line and uh, because I went to watch the game live and um, there's the ingredients in that Croatia side where you think, considering they played the, the runner-up in uh, in Group uh, in Group C, I think um, I think there's there's more to come from this Croatia side. Yeah, they're currently seven to one to reach the final. Um, it, you can't you can't classify Croatia as dark horses anymore because that midfield 
is maybe the most stacked midfield in this entire competition. It's got playmakers in every, every area. I mean, Mandzukic is a great forward. He's not maybe the goal scorer he once was, but he still leads that line with such a plomb that he makes chances for everyone else around him. I agree. I mean, their their odds are worse than England's odds to reach the final, which seems crazy to me. Well, odds odds change so fast, you know, and uh, I mm. mean, they, you can get the most rogue old odds and the most uh, um, strange descriptions to, for for scenarios, but. With situations like this, I just prefer to sit back and uh, and enjoy what's enjoy coming. Yeah. I, I made my uh, I made my predictions at the start of the tournament, and uh, I stick with them. And uh, it just you know with a with a tournament like this that only comes around every four years, which has its own individual rhythm and individual mm. uh, memories and 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 stadiums and cities and uh, I just think the most important thing you can do as a football fan is enjoy it yeah I mean we've touched on that briefly in other podcasts that this has been one of the more enjoyable international tournaments for me in recent years even with England being there their performance was encouraging I think from the England point of view but the rest of the tournament even the games that have finished 1-0 they've been they've been enthralling games there's not really been a boring game yet which no. you can often get in, especially in the first round of group stage games Yes, it's been um, it's been entertaining so far. Uh, let's have yep. a quick look at games tomorrow, then, shall we? Quickly. Yep. Uh, what day is it tomorrow? It's Friday. We've got Friday. Nigeria. Oh, actually, it started at one o'clock. One o'clock is Brazil taking on Costa Rica. Uh, Neymar uh, trained today, I think. Uh, he's missed a couple of. He missed Tuesday. He hobbled out of training session on Tuesday, which is a a, a massive concern for them, but. They need to get something out of this, Brazil. And Costa Rica is maybe the, the, the prime team that they can play right now to get their tournament going. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, the latest reports that I've uh, read is that Thiago Silva will be uh, will be the captain for tomorrow. Right. Uh, the Brazilian manager Chichi is, uh, has a system of rotating the captaincy because by his own admission he doesn't have a natural leader, which I think is... <laughs> Which I think is very, it's a very interesting concept. Yeah. But when you when you're up against it, you need someone to stand up and you need someone to be counted. And I think the most natural leader he has is Thiago Silva. Yes. Yeah, I, I can see I can see Brazil winning uh, tomorrow. And um, but the thing that struck me with the first game is is Chichi obviously did a tremendous job with Corinthians in Sao Paulo. Right. He looked. He, I mean, obviously, you know, you see footage with the camera and the nerves of a first competitive World Cup match, but he looked quite nervous, mm. and uh, I found that a little bit strange, to be honest. But I think there's more. There's more to come from this Brazil side. I thought his substitutions in, against um, Switzerland were far too late, yeah. and also and also a little bit strange in bringing on Fernandinho. <laughs> but I, I, I think there's there's definitely more to come. Costa Rica, I think. Um, I think it's one tournament too far. It only serves to highlight how well they did four years ago to yeah. uh, to top a group, including England, Italy and Uruguay. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's probably a tournament too far for them. Um, at four o'clock UK time, we've got Nigeria taking on Iceland in uh, quite an important game in Group D. Um, it can really affect some standings here. Um, how do you see this one going? I've got a... I've got a sneaky suspicion that Nigeria are going to win this. I'm on the same lines as you, yeah. They didn't look too bad in their opening game. No, I can, I, and I think they know going into this game that if they harbour ambitions to go through to the last 16, 
I think uh, I think they know uh, they know they have to win, and um, Iceland as well have done a tremendous uh, have done tremendous things, you know, to to reorganise their uh, infrastructure in a footballing sense to have indoor facilities for the next generation, which has led to uh, participation at major tournaments needs needs to be applauded. But uh, my uh, my suspicion is is Nigeria for this game. Yep, I'm with you on that one. What I do like about the World Cup is it throws up games that you never see. The last time these two met was in 1981. Mm. We go when Iceland uh, won 3-0, actually. That's before both of our times, I think. So. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and then finally, tomorrow at 7 o'clock, we have Serbia taking on Switzerland, which, again, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to. I'm really, it's, it's these sort of games I look forward to more in the World Cup than seeing the big teams, because this is where you see players really stand out and make themselves known on the world stage. I like this Serbia team, but I also like the Switzerland team. I'm kind of drawn. Uh, I'm going for a draw because I can't pick one over the other. No, I I agree. I was also going to say a draw. I think both <laughs> both teams have got um, I've got something about them. I thought uh, I thought Switzerland uh, did very well against Brazil and and Serbia winning at Costa Rica, and they may well cancel each other out. But I think it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a score draw. I think maybe maybe yeah. one one or or even two two. Yeah, I think I'm a, I think I'm with you there actually. Definitely a score draw. I'd like to see some more goals. So there we are. That is day eight of the World Cup done. On to day nine. More second round, uh, second group games to be played. England. I'm just waiting for the England game now. That's what my whole week is kind of focused towards <laughs> Sunday lunchtime. <laughs> Yeah, look forward to Sunday, to Sunday afternoon and hopefully a, a second win to secure the passage into the last 16. God, imagine, imagine us being comfortable at a World Cup. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, still, it's still very early, but, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, you have to take one game at a time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Definitely, yeah. And um, I, ju- I just hope that they, uh, that they can just stick together. And the interesting thing for me is, is if they do win on Sunday, uh, Ross, who they'll come up against in the last 16, you know, against yes. one of Senegal, Japan, Colombia, Poland. Be interesting to see whoever that is for England, how they deal with that opponent. I think that will be very interesting. Yeah, I think that could be a really... I mean, playing against Senegal could be a really fun game to watch. And yeah. I mean, getting getting out of the group stages and performing quite well is all I, can, all I hope for England for this World Cup. So... Getting knocked out to, to Senegal, possibly in the second round. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. It's uh, it's not a bad I think, performance. I think the physicality of Senegal might be a problem. Yes. Yeah, also, also as well, the the general ignorance of 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 some press and some supporters in some quarters. A la the Iceland game, for example. Mm-hmm. Iceland came through a qualifying group that included the Netherlands, Turkey, and um, and the Czech Republic to qualify yeah. for you. 2016, and when they went on to uh, to beat England and and the the shame upon which all the uh, criticism drew, I didn't hear anybody say, "Well, look at their qualifying group and look what they came through." No. You know, they uh, managed to avoid defeat here in Amsterdam. I think it was one one, and uh, they uh, they gave a good game to everybody they played. And um, I just think, in the case of um, as you say, the World Cup throws up new names and, and new teams, and, and and real lovers of football enjoy enjoy getting uh, getting to know them. One, one of the names that I didn't know of that has impressed me was um, Yassine Maria of uh, Tunisia. In right. the even though they lost, he was the the number four for Tunisia. He actually plays his football in Tunisia. 
and for and for me that that that's one of the things that just goes to show a, a national team manager of a different uh, of a different country on a different continent picking from their own domestic league yeah. somebody who they think is good enough and uh, and they're already proving that to be the right decision. Excellent. Yeah, this is the, the joy of the World Cup. Anyway, Indeed. we shall be back tomorrow with another gang of Man on the Post hosts. I think it's Chris and Ryan and uh, maybe some other people joining them tomorrow. So look mm-hmm. forward to that as they round up the games that we've quickly previewed there. Um, James, if they want to get you on Twitter to uh, continue the conversation, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at JamesRowNL. And I can be found at RossBell1984. We can, of course, be found at Man on the Post. And if you search Man on the Post on anything, you'll find us. That's basically our name across all social media platforms. Uh, podcast apps, Acast subscriptions, anything like that. Man on the post, hit that subscribe or the follow button, and you'll get all of our podcasts into your inbox every single day during the World Cup, and then two a week during the football season as well. You lucky people! All that leaves for me to say is thank you, James. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And until next time, always remember to have your man on the post.